BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I want a ball like Jeremy. Cross over, then dunk on the enemy. Yo, I'm trying to bust a move like Harry. Only problem is, I don't think that I have it in me. Gotta learn how Steven becomes Glenn. So you don't get called out on the flop again. And maybe AJ can teach me how to play guitar. Or get better on the piano so I could be rock star, rock star, rock star. I bet you never really saw it coming. So now you better get out my way. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy. We are in the trenches of summer, but for the LLP, we are still here going strong, keeping it lit. It's super hot. It's super humid, but it's still lit. Isn't that right, Alan? That's right. (laughs) Whatever all that means. You're so hyped. (laughs) I I know. For some reason, it's like the dog days of summer, but somehow I'm still hyped. Uh, But today we actually have a pretty special episode. You know, there's not a lot going on right now, but... We're always trying to find ways to entertain our listeners and whatnot and still keep it things relevant. And today we actually have a very special guest. His name is AJ Raphael. He's a very popular singer, musician, artist on YouTube. He was part of like a really big YouTube revolution back in like the 2007 through 2010 years. And, you know, Alan and I would actually go to his concerts here and there. We were pretty big fans and uh, still are actually. And the big thing with AJ Raphael, who, you know, at the beginning of this episode, you heard a, a snap snippet of his song Jeremy Lin Goes to Hollywood which he did with Jeremy himself and that's actually an unpublished song that's not the actual song they use so you got to hear an exclusive track there by AJ but he's really good friends with NBA superstar and former Laker Jeremy Lin and we're going to get to my interview with him in a second and we're going to talk a lot of Lin sanity about being friends with an NBA player we're going to talk about Lynn's time with the Lakers and what that was like, Lynn's relationship with Kobe Bryant and the rest of his teammates back then, including Swaggy P, <laughs> as well as, <laughs> as well as, you know, how Lynn's adapting to Brooklyn and his new teammate, former Laker, D'Angelo Russell. So there's a lot of relevant things there and hope you guys enjoy the interview because it's, uh, 
I guess just gives you a, a different perspective and, and some new tidbits on an aspect of NBA life that we don't typically get from like a friend's perspective, you know? So yeah, it's a really good interview. And before we get to that though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, Alan, what do we got for summer? I don't got an incentive here. Uh, that's how many more times AJ Raphael is going to write and compose songs that are Laker centric. Oh, we got to get him on that for sure. We got to tell him to make a, a song for us, right? Exactly. Exactly. That would be dope. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you guys want a custom Lakers legacy times AJ Raphael collabo, please rate interview us. And because you got nothing to do in summer, there's not a lot of Lakers news right now. Just do it. Speaking of rating and reviews though, we're going to have Jeremy Lin's former teammate and former Laker, now Golden State Warrior, Swaggy P, back on the show just ex- exclusively for this to read the review. So, Swaggy P, take it away. Oh, what's up, guys? It's so nice to be back here, man. I miss y'all, you know, but I'm going to go win them rings. I'm ring chasing. <laughs> All right, so this one's litigation from Robert K. We gave you all five stars. I'm, I'm going to get five rings, man. All right, so he he was like, yo, I'm on, I'm on Swaggy P to read this. So, yo, uh, even though I ain't a Laker no more, you know, I still rock with Lakers legacy. Uh, those dudes' knowledge of Laker basketball is deeper than a pelvic thrust in three by me, your boy, Swaggy P. Oh, man, and you know I be doing them pelvic thrusts all the time, you know, hopefully only when I make them threes. You know, KD, he threw some shade at me on Instagram, and he's like, oh, look, you know, he missed that shot, but he celebrated like he made it. Well, I ain't going to be missing no more, and just like y'all ain't going to be missing no more of these episodes, y'all got to listen to all of them, all right? Lakers Legacy, peace out, Swaggy all right, thank you, Swaggy P, and thank you to our listener. What was his name, Alan? Uh, Robert Cave Thirteen. Thank you, Robert Cave Thirteen. Uh, one last question for Swaggy before I turn it to my interview with AJ Raphael. Swags, we got your buddy. What, what's your, up, man? We got your old buddy, Jay Lynn, Man, what did you think oh, of Jay Lynn? Oh, Jay Lynn. Oh shoot, man. Oh, what's up, Jeremy? How's it going, man? Yo, I miss you, bro. I'm sorry I got you in trouble that one time when we were celebrating that game winner against Boston. You know, like Kobe got all mad at us and stuff. You know, because like Jordan Hill was there, Carlos Boozo was there saying, "Hold." dad he went on jimmy kimmel my bad dude i know you a good guy and now we make you looking kind of bad and stuff and you ain't like that you know but uh yo man i miss you and uh yo man we we gotta chill man we gotta hang out most hated what's up hold that <laughs> okay <laughs> also i know we may have some new listeners and followers uh to our show so if you want to see more about what our show is about and our podcast, and I know, you know, summer is slow right now in terms of Lakers and NBA news, so I would point you guys to some really good previous episodes that we've had, some really good guests that have come on our show. Um, episode 132, we had Lonzo Ball's previous high school coach, Coach Steve Bake from Chino Hills on to talk about Lonzo Ball and give us all of these amazing anecdotes about how Lonzo was growing up as a kid and just how unique a uh, talent and personality he was. So definitely check out episode 132, Back to the Basics. Um, or bake to the basics actually. And then also episode 112, we had on Jordan Clarkson's strength and conditioning coach, Drew Hanlon, to talk about Jordan Clarkson's regiment, how he trains in the offseason. And Drew Hanlon also trains guys like Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, all of these huge NBA stars. So definitely check those two episodes out, 132 and 112, how we drew it up. And you know, even our last episode, one, Episode 145, we had on Kyle Goon, a Utah Jazz beat reporter who also used to cover the Utes basketball team in Utah, and we had him on to talk about Kyle Kuzma. So definitely check out some of those episodes. And lastly, if you could please support us on our Patreon page, if you go on our Twitter account, at Lakers Legacy Pod, we have that Patreon account linked to the top uh, in our About section, About Description section, and that Patreon link is patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast um if you could just you know contribute even a dollar per month that would be great a dollar per month is pretty much twelve dollars for the year and honestly if you even want to just contribute a dollar and then cancel your subscription right after that even that would help you know any any show of support would be great and if you can't contribute financially or 
frankly just don't want to, then please, you know, rate and review us on iTunes because that is another viable way to help support the show. Uh, with that said, old listeners, new listeners, welcome aboard. And without further ado, here is my interview with AJ Raphael. And to intro that in, we will have AJ's, one of AJ's most popular songs, We Could Happen, transition us out. So here we go. Not me being nice. Girl, this is real tonight because I've been thinking about you lately. Maybe you could save me from this crazy world we live in. And I know we could happen because you know that I've been feeling you. I know you want me. All right, everybody, we are proud and privileged to have AJ Raphael, artist and musician and huge Lakers fan AJ Raphael, join us today on this episode. Bit of a background on AJ. AJ was the start of a YouTube revolution, pioneer in the YouTube realm, uh, especially for the Asian American, the Asian American community. AJ has nearly 670,000 plus subscribers on YouTube. His official music videos have averaged around five to seven million views each. Many listeners who may not be familiar with AJ himself and his work are likely familiar with one of his good friends, singer and superstar Tori Kelly, who he used to make countless covers with on YouTube. More relevant to the Lakers, AJ Raphael is also very good friends with former Laker Jeremy Linsanity Lin and helped compose the music for Jeremy's video, Jeremy Lin Goes Hollywood amongst countless other random vlog videos and such with uh, Jeremy himself. Fun personal fact, I actually used to work an intern for a Filipino-American website called BucketY.com, as well as an Asian-American entertainment company called ISA, International Secret Agents, headed by Fly Like a G6 Dudes, Far East Movement, and Wong Fu Productions, and have personally covered several of AJ's events, so it's kind of cool to have these prior intersecting connections culminate in this more official unplugged style interview with AJ. And I guess most of our guests on this show have been Asian American. I don't intend it to be that way. I just have a lot of Asian American friends who have connections <laughs> to basketball. And, you know, the, the Asian American community in the entertainment industry is really small. So anything we can do to help each other out with what little platforms we have, I think is a, is a great thing to do. So this is a, my contribution as, as small as it may be. So with all that said, I'd like to introduce AJ Raphael. AJ, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, wow. What a, what an intro. I should ask you to write my bio. <laughs> Speaking of intros, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself if I haven't covered it yet? And if you want to plug any of your social media handles, go ahead and do so. And also, why don't you tell us what you're up to? I know you have some exciting news just personally, career-wise. Um, well, I'm, I'm mostly active on, on my Twitter, so you can check that out. Um, it's at AJ Raphael, A-J-R-A-F-A-E-L. Um, also active on the Instagram, but... You know, um, a lot of people know me as a musician. I honestly, I haven't written a song in a little bit, um, but I, I still am doing YouTube videos, covers, and things like that. Uh, recently, I just got booked for a musical, so I'm moving out to Boston, mm. the rival Boo. of uh, LA. <laughs> um, but I went to school out there. I went to Berkeley College of Music for a year, um, so I'm very familiar with that area. Um, and yeah, I'm just a SoCal boy who who grew up. Uh, watching a lot of basketball with my dad. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away when I was 10, and he was a musician as well and a composer um, and a choir director. So I, you know, I looked up to him a lot when I was little and have mm -hmm. a, lot of, uh, a lot of my musical influence comes from him. But uh, he grew up... Actually, I just found this out. He, I always thought he was a Laker fan, but it was because we'd always have the Lakers on right. Channel 9 uh, growing up. But he was actually like a Laker hater. Oh. Which is so interesting, and um, and this whole time I was thinking he loved the Lakers, but I was talking to his best friend growing up. He was like a, always rooting for the underdog, so he'd always root for the Clippers. Uh, but he loved the Bulls, of course, because you know in the Philippines um, they love the Bulls out there too. So um, you know it. So my my love for basketball, at least like the mainstream basketball. So you know I remember watching like Patrick Ewing and. Michael Jordan and all those, <laughs> and Charles Barkley and stuff. And then when Kobe came uh, to to the world of the Lakers, I remember playing uh, that on you know on my N sixty four and NBA Jam yeah. and all that stuff, and, and always using the Lakers. Um, but yeah, it it kind of rooted from there. And and to be honest, man, my real 
real basketball fandom, as in even paying attention to stats and all that stuff, really came when um, I started paying more attention to to Jeremy Lin. So it was really just casual fan back in the day. Um, I met Jeremy back a couple years ago when he was still on the Warriors. Uh, this was during the lockout. And uh, after that, when I started following him as a as an individual player is when I really got into basketball and the whole world of basketball and all the teams and everything. Awesome. Thanks for uh, spending your time with us here. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but what are you going out to Boston for? Oh, uh, yes. Sorry. I went on a tangent a little bit, but I'm going out to uh, do a musical called Burn All Night. It's going to be playing at the art... um, ART, American Repertory Theater. And this theater is a um, theater that a lot of productions go before they hit Broadway. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to be part of the world premiere, which is awesome. So, you know, the first cast, I guess, technically to to do it, I'll be part of that. Um, I don't know a ton of details besides what I've learned online because I just got booked for this maybe like two days ago. Um, so it's been really uh, hectic because I'm going to move in less than two weeks. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, again, like I said, you know, I'm really familiar with the city and, and I'm just really um, happy to to go back um, to, to be there. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And congrats on, on getting this gig and everything. So exciting times ahead for you, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I thought we could get into the Lakers a little bit. And obviously, we're going to touch upon a lot of uh, Jeremy Lin, obviously, because you're close friends with him. Um, but I wanted to get your general impressions first on on the Lakers as a whole. You know, it's been kind of a tough last four years. Jeremy Lin was a part of that for one year. Um, but it seems like everything's moving in a new direction now. Uh, we got Lonzo Ball, a new point guard. D'Angelo Russell got traded, and he's now Jeremy Lin's teammate. So I guess we could start off right <laughs> there. Um, what are your thoughts on the Lakers' direction right now? And did you like the D'Angelo Russell trade? And based off of, um, I guess... I don't know if you got Jer- you and Jeremy have talked about it, but it seems like he's really uh, taking D'Angelo Russell under his wings and the rest of the young guys in Brooklyn under his wings, which is a great thing. So, yeah, what were your thoughts on the D'Angelo Russell trade and uh, just the general direction of the Lonzo Ball, big baller brand, led Lakers? <laughs> I was excited. I, w- I was excited when, when Lonzo um, got drafted. Although, you know, it would have been, <laughs> and I don't want to get hate for this later from my hardcore Laker fans, but, you know, I felt like with his dad kind of egging him on and stuff, like it would have been kind of funny to see him fall past number two just because he was just so, you know, hyped by his dad and, you know, right. his dad was being annoying and stuff. Um, but, you know, and I and I kind of felt like there there was a lot, a lot of pressure um, on Lonzo Ball and, you know, with different players around the NBA saying little things about him, like, you know, they're going to get like, like punish him for his dad's comments and stuff. So I just didn't want any of that drama. Sure. You know, because the past four years have been hard enough, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it was really, st- it started when, when Dwight left, right? I mean, even that year when Dwight was on. It, you know, when, uh, I remember when Goudlock was like, <laughs> um, starting for the playoffs and stuff. And I was like, yo, man, this is like, this is crazy. What have we become, you know? And from then on, didn't make the playoffs anymore. And Goudlock I, shout out. I'm not hating on Goudlock, but, you know, like, I actually liked him as a player, but like, you know, the fact that we were there and then he got, sus- then Dwight got suspended and stuff. And I was like, cool, I think this is downhill from here, yep. man. Um, and just little, little exciting things happening. Like, say, when Jeremy Lin got um, signed to the Lakers. And uh, I remember all my friends texting me as if it was my birthday or something, man. <laughs> They're like, yo, your boy's coming to the Lakers. You know, um, and, and little things like, you know, I went to Kobe's last game last year. Oh, and that shoot. was just, you know, the most amazing thing. Um, it was like playoffs up in there. Um, and I'd never been to a playoff Laker game, so it felt like that's what it would be like right. um, being there. And then, you know, we got D'Angelo Russell, who was exciting to watch, man. Like, I'm going to be honest, man. I was a fan. Yeah, I, I no, liked that too. he was cocky sometimes and, um, you know, ice in his veins and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, was really exciting to watch when there was really nothing to watch for. Yep. Um, and... Uh, you know when the when the trade happened, I I immediately I immediately was thinking like I wasn't concerned about the Lakers at first. I was just like, because we got a good player out of that trade. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, yo, how is he gonna mesh with Jeremy? Because dude, I know Jeremy, and Jeremy's like a nice dude. He's a respectful guy. He is. Um, he's really one in a million, man. Yeah. Like when when you meet this dude and you spend time with him, you're like, man, there's nobody like this dude. Um, and and you just um 
are in awe of the respect he has for other human beings and stuff. And you know, there's you know, like drama around D'Lo and yep. and Nick Young and all that stuff. And I was like, dude, this dude's an f boy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like he is. That's what I'm thinking, right? Of this squad, right? I'm just thinking, like, man, this dude, Jordan Clark's. I, to be honest, man, I wasn't a fan of the way Jordan Clarkson was taking a lot of. Jeremy's playing time when he was on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that gave me a bad impression of, of Clarkson. Um, and then, you know, we got these other, they're doing like the cover for like GQ and stuff. I'm like, dude, these dudes are just, they're just loving Hollywood. You know, it's not about the basketball, you know, and I, that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I, as, I, as soon as the trade, I, I texted Jeremy. And he's like, yo, I know this is crazy, man. Um, and as far as I know, they're getting along. I mean, you've seen it yep. probably on, if you check his Instagram stories and stuff. But he said um, he said he's cool. He yeah. he straight up was just like, yeah, this dude's cool, man. Because um, I asked if he met him a couple days after the trade, and he was like, yeah, yeah, he's really cool. So uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing them mesh, and uh, I'm looking also I'm also looking forward to seeing Lonzo and and what will happen, I guess, to this Laker team this year for sure and you know lonzo local product chino hills grew up in chino hills ucla hopefully he succeeds and doesn't let the pressure get to him obviously with the d'angelo russell thing i think people just have to remember this kid's 21 right it's crazy to think that you and i and jeremy are old but we are i mean <laughs> we are compared yeah, to those guys way older than this dude it's crazy <laughs> it man. Is you're crazy. thinking these dudes um have all these crazy contracts too mm-hmm. just around the nba in general and you're like damn i'm 28 right <laughs> you know what i mean it's nuts but with regards to d'angelo russell and jeremy's pairing i think d'angelo russell and jeremy are going to get along just fine even just in terms of basketball play just because they're both combo guards and kenny atkinson you know the coach he was there for Lynn Sanity in New York and kind of helped uh, bring that along. So I think just the interchangeability and versatility that D'Angelo provides and that Jeremy Lynn provides, I think that could work out very well in Brooklyn. And given how bad the East has become, I would not be surprised if Brooklyn made the playoffs, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I would love that. I think Jeremy still hasn't got his fair uh, shot, you know, out there as far as even like criticism and stuff because, you know, he got injured. And um, But every time he was on the floor, man, I mean, he would... He would play. I think a lot of people uh, like underestimated the way he plays, and I think you know we got a taste of that in L.A. I remember going, we we went to a lot of games while we were out here, um, but you know when he's on a crazy streak, and I remember we were tanking that year. So you know I remember one time seven points in seven minutes, everyone and the crowd is like you know hype. They're like, dude, we're about to win this game and then Byron Scott takes him out, you know. Yeah. Um so I think Jeremy gets to show his little flashes. Um but I I think they'll do well. I mean, we I think we saw that a little bit with him and Kemba Walker working. Right. Even though they're both point guards, you know, they're both working uh with each other pretty well, so I I think I'll we'll probably see that with him and Delo. Exactly. All right, so I thought we could we'll eventually make our way to more um specific Lakers questions, but I kind of wanted to just get like a Lakers retrospective from you. You've kind of touched upon it a little bit, but I wanted to ask you first off, I guess, what's it like being friends with an NBA star, but at the same time, having him literally be one of the dudes as in, you know, Jeremy Lin for us represents the prototypical Asian American experience, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but um. Jeremy Lin's my year. I think he graduated 06, Palo Alto. And I have a funny story to tell before you, you give us your, your answer. But, um, I actually used to follow Jeremy when he was playing in Palo Alto. I, I remember at the time I saw his championship game, uh, against Modern Day on like, I think it used to be Fox Sports Net or whatever. And I was like, who is this nice. scrawny Asian dude banking in a three, like yeah. a clutch three? From then on, I started following him and even through Harvard. And I remember at the time, obviously he wasn't as famous, but, me and my friends created this Facebook page. I think it's still up. It's called Jeremy Lin, the Asian American basketball savior, something like that. The pride of Asian American basketball. I think there's like 34 members. Anyways, I remember at the time, Jeremy's, Jeremy's such a nice dude, obviously, that uh, me and my friends would request him as a friend on Facebook. And this is back when he had like a personal account on Facebook, right? And he'd literally accept anybody. And so, yeah, he friended <laughs> us. And I remember when he got out of college and was uh, having some tryouts and workouts with the Lakers, you know, I caught wind of a workout that he was going to have with the Knicks and the Grizzlies. And I don't know, I guess I was being kind of stupid, but I, I I was really excited for him. So I put up a status update like, oh, Jeremy Lin is going to be working out for the Knicks on this day and the Grizzlies on the next day. And for some reason, I was like, 
ah, maybe I should tag him <laughs> because I'm oh, friends with him. So I actually tagged him like, oh, Jeremy Lin's going to be whatever, whatever. And I put it up there like a bunch of my friends are liking it because they're Jeremy Lin fans too. And then I get a personal message from Jeremy. And I have it right here. It's like, I don't know if you can see it. What does it say? What does it it's say? It's like a Let blank now it. because he's no longer there, right? But he wrote, uh-huh. Haha, hey man, could you take that down? The information isn't correct. Thanks and sorry for the inconvenience. So <laughs> I was just kind of happy to get <laughs> It's like prototypical Jeremy, like super nice and not mad at all. He even apologized. Sorry for the inconvenience. I just thought that was hilarious. And I was like, hey, my bad, dude. Sorry about that. Random people on Twitter were talking about it. Just assumed it to be true. I'll take it down right now. But uh, that was my claim to hipster Jeremy Lin fame before he became famous. <laughs> so for him to kind of explode off the map, obviously, with Lin Sanity has, has been amazing and, and fun to watch. But I guess to circle it back to my initial question, what's it been like being friends with an NBA basketball player, but also someone that you could consider like, he's kind of like all my friends too, you know, especially as an Asian American and having the same experiences that you or I maybe have grown up with that not many people are familiar with. Right. I mean, I think he's, well, I know he's very aware of the responsibility I I feel that he has as an Asian American role model, um, which is great. You know, he's not just playing and is like just doing his own thing like he is thinking about the asian americans who are you know directly impacted by him especially all the asian american ballers you know who are like playing and i mean yeah we're getting made fun of for like oh jeremy lynn or whatever you know what i mean but he knows that he um that he's he inspires us you know i I, and i i I know a lot of this because um you know when linsanity was happening i had a lot of i have a lot of friends out in new york and uh, every time, you know, he played a game and stuff, my friends would text me like, dude, the streets are lit, man, you know. <laughs> and I, I remember uh, one of my friends, Alvin, who lives in Queens, he just recently told me, because I got to bring him out to a game that Jeremy was playing and, and he got to meet him for the first time uh, just this year. And he was like, dude, this is an honor to meet him because every time he had a Linsanity game, me and my boys would go out to the park, no matter if the lights were on or not not and just ball you know and i got to tell uh jeremy that jeremy was so appreciative and said that was one of his favorite stories man and that you know it still kind of gives me goosebumps to this day man it's like dude that time was so energetic for um not just the world because it hit mainstream but uh to asian americans um especially because you know we're we're kind of always the underdog in a lot of in a lot of these things um and, and the fact that jeremy's out there playing for us um, you know, and obviously his, his first priority is, is God and then him and his family. And of course he knows that he inspires this whole generation of, of Asian Americans. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool being friends with a guy like that in the basketball world, because I have a lot of friends, um, who are also, you know, pioneering other industries obviously like in the youtube world or in the music world as well mm-hmm. um who are doing big things you know I, I mean similar the the we did a youtube video uh you brought up earlier called jeremy goes to hollywood and it's right. me harry shum jr and phil wang from wong fu productions and you know even those guys there harry shum jr who is a pioneer in um you know the dance world and he was on glee you know that was one of the first times where we saw an Asian male kind of killing it in that mm-hmm. in that world, and for for people like who are for people who dance and sing to look at Glee and be like, "Yo, there's an Asian in there. I could one day be in that show." Then you got Philip Wang from Wang Fu Productions. Um, if y'all go search Wang Fu Productions on YouTube, you know you're gonna see a bunch of drama, uh, comedy, short films. They've even done a full length. Um, but the fact that you know they're Asian American and showing who they are. Uh, is a big influence to people in that world. So, um, you know, I would say that it's 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 no different from having friends like that in those worlds, except um, I think there's a lot more criticism for Jeremy in, in his world. Right. So it always is causing me to, um, you know, check in every now and then, and he's he's busy a lot during the season. Um, but you know, just like how you doing after, uh, maybe a game that he was kind of criticized for or a poor game that he had, um, especially during that liquor season. Uh, but I even have, bro, I have in my, 
in my Echo phone, my Twitter saved searches is Jeremy Lin, and I'm always just seeing crazy racism, man. I don't mm-hmm. during the season if y'all search his name, it is the craziest racism racism you'll ever see against Asians, man. And it's all kind of directed at him, um, and I think he's done uh, a really great um, a really great job of of dealing with the criticism. You know, sometimes he'll have his like clapback moments on Twitter right. and things like that, but. Uh, mostly he just he's confident in himself and his game and he doesn't let that affect him so uh, having a friend like him is, is really it's inspiring and at the same time very humbling and you get to see how much of a human that these other NBA guys are too you know so that's right. I think that's the coolest part of it because you know especially when he was playing with Kobe, I mean I'll never be able to put Kobe below this pedestal that I put him on Sure. You know, like celebrity wise, right? I'm like, dude, Kobe is like a god. Um, but, you know, kind of hearing um, that, you know, that he's a cool guy off court from Jeremy, you know, is is cool things that kind of humanize mm. basketball players that we put on this crazy pedestal. Right. So I wanted to ask you about that just in terms of like, well, for one thing, it's unfortunate that you... You know, that, that there are still so many comments on Twitter, um, that are still racist towards Jeremy Lin, considering, I mean, he's what? This is like his fifth, sixth season already, and that's still happening. But outside of that, I guess on a more personal level, what's it been like? And you touched upon it a little bit earlier about just Jeremy's character, but what's it been like being his friend first off? And then does it ever, do you ever like, kind of pinch yourself and you're like, oh, wait, this guy's like an NBA player. And I'm like, I'm like three degrees of separation from, like you said, Kobe Bryant or, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. Does that ever hit you and you're like, this is crazy? Um, hmm. I guess I would when I go to the games, you know. I we get to um you know, he he gives us passes to go to to the back to say hi with his family and stuff, but we're in the audience with literally other people's families right. as well. So one time, you know, um John Stockton's right in front of us. This is oh. after the last game of the season. Um and Jeremy didn't get to play that game. But um it was the last game of his season as a Laker. And uh, John Stockton was right there. And that's and I was really nervous to even ask for a selfie. You know, because like back there, you want to be cool and stuff. Sure. But there were other people asking for pictures. But that's when it hit me. I was like, dude, this dude's a legend right here sitting right in front of me. An NBA legend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, dude. And moments like that is when it really hits me. Um, you know, and but, but other times... Uh, I when I see say like someone like Melo, you know, give him super hard flagrant fouls and stuff, you know, things like that. I like end up like hating on him. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, sure. I hate this fool Melo. You know what I mean? This fool's like giving him a clothesline and stuff. Um, so you know, when when that when that stuff happens, it's like immediately take him off the celebrity list, and I'm just like, yo, I hate this dude. You know. Yeah, there's a personal dynamic now. Did you ever think, obviously, in your days of being an NBA fan, a Lakers fan, that one day you'd be like, I would have a personal investment in this here, <laughs> you know, this game somehow. Did you ever think that? Obviously, you didn't. But. No, no. I mean, nev- I never would I have thought that. And um, I think maybe, you know, for, for people who maybe are not friends with an NBA player, but who follow just one player, and maybe somebody who's not in like the limelight, like not a LeBron or something. If you have some kind of favoritism towards, I don't know, some like an underdog like Isaiah Thomas or something, you know, you're gonna like, you know, take everything personal that that happens to your guy, you know. And yeah, I guess right. it does add another layer when he's your friend, you know, because then you catch yourself like texting him after that happens, like, "Yo, dude." <laughs> what was up with that mellow foul, you know? And he's just like, I don't know, man, you know? And I mean, you just check in a little more and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's pretty crazy sometimes to think about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So I guess with regards to the Lakers, when, like you said, you know, Jeremy Lin first got traded, your phone was blowing up. You were super excited. Was it hard for you to bring the two fanhoods together because one it's your friend and then it's the Lakers the team that you're obviously a fan of because I know for me it was conflicting too and I'm not even I don't even know Jeremy personally but it was tough to see him struggle through that season and I guess in terms of you know Jordan Clarkson on the one end who is you know actually half Filipino 
was it tough for you to kind of reconcile that in terms of, well, you got Jordan Clarkson and then you got Jeremy Lin on the other end, who is your personal buddy and someone who more closely embodies the Asian American experience for you as opposed sure. to Jordan Clarkson, who's sure. only half. So I guess, how did you, was that kind of a tough for you or were you just like, ah, I'm going with my guy? Man. Uh, yeah. I'm be honest, man. That was, that was the toughest season to follow, man, because they, I mean, I'm even getting outside, like when Jeremy's not doing as well or whatever, not that it even mattered that year. Like we knew it didn't matter, but I got people texting me like, yo, uh, what's up with your boy? Tell your boy to play better, you know, things like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I would get it pretty often, you know, cause people knew they were friends with me. I was friends with them and, and on top of stuff where it's already like people asking me to, Hey, can you have him endorse this? Blah, blah, blah. Can you give him me a, sh- give him right. a shout out? So it's like all this stuff on top of that. They know he's in LA. They know I see him pretty often. So, um, I mean, it's similar to being friends with someone like, like Tori Kelly, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like I'm getting favors asked all the time. I mean, if not every day, you know, is an email sure. or something. Um, so all that on top of rooting for my team and yeah, knowing sometimes he has these, these okay games, these bad games, but also knowing the Lakers are tanking. So then I, I start hating on Byron Scott for taking Jeremy out. And there was one game, man, where I was, I was really emotional. And I believe that he's, he's, um, you know, he said this on, on record that he, after his DNP, when they started Ronnie Price, right. uh, do you remember Ronnie this game? Price. This, yes. Was this game against the Spurs? Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah. Because the next game was with the Rockets. Or it might have been the Rockets. It's one of the Texas teams. But I just remember, man, like, I couldn't believe it. And I kept being sad for this. Like, I was, like, about to cry, man. Because I know that, I mean, no one's going to feel good about, not that Ronnie Price is a bad player, but, you know, he's he was way past his prime already, you know, starting over you. And obviously they're they're trying to develop Jordan Clarkson. Um, but I remember that game being e- literally emotionally attached to what was going on. And it's like, am I supposed to be happy for my team that they're trying to develop JC? Um, but then they're treating Jeremy like this, you know, and Jeremy was still being a good sport about it and like giving everyone high fives and stuff when they come right. in off the bench. And, but I remember, you know, and, and I know he said this on record that he, that was, um, an em- emotional time for him. Um, and you know he wasn't even answering my texts during that time um you know that was a crazy season man i think losing uh you know he told me losing takes takes an impact you know even in his first couple i feel like first couple di- uh months in, in charlotte as well you know like they just want to win she he just wanted to win a game you know at the end of the day and I think the thing with uh, Jeremy Lin's season with the Lakers was, I mean, it was tough because he was only had one year left. So it was almost like a rental um, in essence. And it's funny and ironic because once they started playing Jeremy Lin and Jordan Clarkson together in the backcourt, they both were doing well. The team sure. was doing well. I think that's why it was more frustrating because none of the moves that Byron Scott made any sense on court basketball wise, because it's not like Jeremy Lin was doing that poorly. Most of the time, if you contextualize the way that Byron Scott coaches and the way he divvy out the minutes, a lot of times it was just very arbitrary. You know, it's right. not like Ronnie Price was playing great defense. It's not like he was scoring 20. Um, it was just a matter of preference. And towards the end of the season, when he started both dudes, they actually complemented each other very well. You know, Jeremy Lean had that crazy Boston overtime win game at yeah, Staples Center that, that he game. took over himself, you know, and then there were a couple of games where both him and Clarkson had like 20 points a piece, you know, and it if you're just looking at it from an objective level, it's like, yeah, we're trying to develop Jordan Clarkson. So let me put a well-rounded player in Jeremy Lin next to him who can actually pass him the ball sure. if need be, right? Sure. So I think that's also like in the same terms, like I was very frustrated with that season. And I mean, we... I think you can feel vindicated by this fact that, you know, once Jeremy left, we had D'Angelo Russell come in and a lot of fans had the same problems with Byron Scott regarding how he used D'Angelo Russell and one didn't really unleash him. Obviously, there was some other stuff going on with the fact that everybody had to kind of still cater to Kobe. But the way that Byron Scott kind of managed D'Angelo was uh, a little bit negligent in terms of, well, not giving him the minutes, not allowing him free reign. This guy's a rookie. You're going to have to let him, you know, make some mistakes. But it didn't seem like Byron Scott wanted him to do that. And I feel like it hindered his development to the point 
point where like we traded him now, even though he still had so much potential. So, you know, circling it back to Jeremy Lin and obviously be judicious about what she shared. But I mean, and you can be as general as you want to be, but was he frustrated with the way he was used under Coach Scott? I know he's not going to throw anyone under the bus, but... Right. Um, I think one thing that I can say is that he acknowledged that it brought a um, a not-so-positive vibe to the locker room. So, I, you know, I that was one thing that he told me because... He spent a couple of days in Riverside after that season, and you know a lot of my friends had their hardcore Laker fans had a lot of questions for him. But um, you know, one thing that he did say is that um, that there was, you know, there were a lot of people who, I guess, weren't happy. You know, I mean, there, there was a lot of people on that team who um, were having their contract years right. Um, like right. Jordan Hill was one of them, and you know, and and all these people getting you know just benched, but. You know, gosh, that was just very, very frustrating, um, as you said, because of Byron Scott and how he just wanted to stick. Well, I mean, I guess that's what he made it seem like. He was just sticking to his lineups and at exact certain times, you know, he would never like yes. adjust, right? That was yep. the big thing is like if someone's hot, um, he wouldn't keep them in if that messed with his lineup, yeah. you know, like. It was just the weirdest thing, and you know, and I remember, man, the year before when Mike D'Antoni was a coach, you know, when he got the job, man, I was so pissed with all my friends. I was like, "Oh my God, Mike D'Antoni, why we were about to get Phil Jackson?" And um, and then I just remember that whole year. I'm just like, "Damn, I wish Mike D'Antoni was here. Damn, I yep. wish Mike D'Antoni was here." You know, um, and and he he said this on record too, like that Mike D'Antoni was like, "Man, I I'm just a year too late, you know, right. to be able to coach you." Um, so. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff was, gosh, what a what a season. I have this trading card here that's actually been in my studio for a long time. It's the Jeremy Lin Lakers uh, little trading card thing. Oh, that's dope. The black. Yeah, the black nice, jersey. Nice, black jersey one, yeah. Yeah, I, and you know, in, in terms of Mike D'Antoni, he was also a year too late with D'Angelo Russell, too. I have no doubt if, D, if D'Antoni was still the coach as opposed to Byron Scott. And, you know, not not nothing against Coach Scott, but I mean, just the offense that he ran was pretty rudimentary. It was the Princeton, did not allow for right. very much freedom of the player the way that Mike D'Antoni does. And that's the type of play that D'Angelo Russell likes to do, you know, pick and roll pace and space and he was kind of just caught in this very rigid system where you know you can only imagine as a rookie if your coach is so dead set on certain things being the way it is that you're going to be prone you're going to be afraid to make mistakes like one mistake you make you're pulled and that's it and then that's going to eat at you the next time you're out right, there right. etc etc right so which is why i think the lakers are obviously in a much better place with luke walton and it would have been amazing to see luke oh, and yeah. jeremy together you know because luke is such a player's coach right so right 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 no i feel you man i mean what do you feel like what do you think when and what have the fans been saying when you know they're like oh byron scott was right about d'angelo i mean was he right or was he just like feeling his gut and just doing his thing and now people are able to say oh yeah he was right about d'angelo I would say he was, I mean, you kind of described D'Angelo at the start, right? So he was right about certain things that D'Angelo probably needs to mature at. I mean, he needs to mature in general, right? But in terms of like the basketball handling of it, I felt like he, and with Byron Scott, the other problem was with regards to D'Angelo and Jeremy is the excuses that he'd make for certain players did not line up for the team as a whole. Does that make right. sense? Like he gave certain favoritism or you know, special privilege to other guys like Ronnie Price. I mean, just guys that he favored. And then his um, his explanations for other players didn't line up with how he, ha- well, yes, how he treated yes. others. So, so it was kind of all over the place. And with regards to how he handled D'Angelo, I do think he was right in terms of, you know, got to show him a little bit of more tough love to help this guy mature better. But in terms of how he handled him on court, it didn't make very much sense. It's like, you just got a number two pick and you're not going to play him. And he's actually good when you put him out there. And what do you expect this kid to do? He's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie. And, you know, I understand Byron Scott was in a tough spot because Kobe Bryant's there and you're kind of, he's going to cater to Kobe first, right? And he's not going to allow this rookie to make mistakes. But at the same time, it's like, you know, loosen up the (laughs) reins a little bit. This guy is a pick and roll player. Same thing with Jeremy. Every time you put him out there, he's doing well. Is he going to be perfect the entire time? No, but that's an NBA player, you know? Um, And so 
I don't think Byron Scott was 100% right. I do think D'Angelo Russell, you know, needed some help match maturing. But in terms of how he handled the actual on-court play and just being super rigid with this, with the system, and like you said, the rotations, the same thing happened with D'Angelo. He'd get hot, pull him out for some yeah. reason, bring in somebody else, and it would just throw everybody's rhythm off, yeah. you know? No, I'm totally with you, man. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been pretty frustrating. I'm glad Luke Walton is, is here and... uh you know, even though I really hoped that we maybe had gotten somebody else this season, this off season, um, I still think mm-hmm. you, this year is going to be really exciting uh, to watch. For sure. So I wanted to ask you, and I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what you can share again, but with regard, you mentioned it, touched upon it a little earlier in terms of Jeremy saying that you know off the court, Kobe's actually like a, a pretty cool guy. Um, I guess what can you share about like? Jeremy's relationship with Kobe was he able to learn anything from him on and off the court um it seemed like it seemed like Kobe was pretty was pretty angsty right that like second or third to last season and he was kind of a hot temper to deal with I think that was the season where he was calling everybody soft as Charmin in practice Uh right and all that stuff is it just a matter of like Jeremy understanding like oh you know Kobe when he gets into this mode the black mamba mode that's just who he is right and then once he's out of that mode, he's actually a good father, a good dude, et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. I mean, you know, I would hear nothing but good things about Kobe. And maybe he was also being um, cautious of what to share with me because I'm I'm a hardcore sure. Kobe fan, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but I, I will say that I think that, you know, all that stuff we saw in court was over maybe to our eyes was more extreme than maybe it actually was. You know what I mean? I like, I never, you know, I feel like I, I did maybe text him once or twice in the season. I was like, yo, was Kobe really actually mad at you? And, you know, he would brush it off like it was no big deal, you know? So I think mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that the dynamic was everybody knows who, what Kobe is like when he's in the zone, you know, and Jeremy has acknowledged that, you know, like that that's Kobe's way of dealing with things, you know? And yes, off the court, he's an amazing, super, super nice guy. And, uh, you know, has, has told people that he's gotten along with this dude, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they were getting along, uh, for, for the whole season. And, and then Jeremy's season got cut short a little bit beforehand. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, what, what, what I can say is that, um, I think it wasn't as crazy as as we thought it was, you know, seeing stuff on court. Because even when Jeremy was on the Rockets, you know, when you'd see Dwight Howard maybe treating him a certain way that we would see on the court, you know. I mean, Jeremy was like, nah, it's not even like that. Me and Dwight are boys, you know what I mean? So Mm. I think a lot of what we see, you know, there's a lot of crazy adrenaline stuff happening on court sure. you know and it's basketball and stuff you know when i asked him about the carmelo flagrant foul he said he didn't even remember really you know that that happened you know what i mean so mm-hmm. like i i imagine that it's like that for a lot of players and you're just doing everything in the moment and stuff and um as far as my you know my interaction with jeremy when it comes to things like that where it's just like yo now we're just playing the game Okay, that's awesome. That, that's uh, some some cool insight and good to keep that perspective, I guess. Because I mean, it it is basketball. Do do you, I guess this is the question better reserved for Jeremy himself? But I guess from your experience talking with him, did he take anything positive away from his Lakers experience? <laughs> I know he took the I know he took the being back in LA, getting the Korean barbecue and boba, and seeing a bunch of friends as a positive. But I mean, you know, I know I know Jeremy's a very spiritual guy, so he'll probably say the adversity and all that stuff he had to overcome probably helped build him up. But I, I mean. Anything else positive that he, that you think that he probably took away from his experience as a Lakers? Because Laker, because I know he also endured a bunch of, uh, you know, a lot of Lakers fans were pissed because they're, you know, they have these Linsanity stands, right? That kind of get on everybody, like, you know, put Lin in right now, blah blah blah. And I know a lot of Lakers fans were kind of annoyed by that, just how oh rabid gosh. Jeremy Lin's, you know, stands are, which it was understandable. So I know he had to deal with that as well. But I guess in your eyes, was there anything positive that he actually took away from his time being? a laker or does he look back on those purple and gold colors and is like ooh um man i remember in the very beginning of the season i went to go visit his new house or his new um apartment mm-hmm. or whatever and i was like man um i'm excited obviously for you to be a laker and i was super you know i was super just like fangirling over the fact that he's a laker mm-hmm. you know and he because he was having a rough time in houston obviously and uh you know he i remember him telling me this that he's like 
uh, I have a feeling about a good feeling about this season, you know, and mm. and I think what he's taken is that, and he, you know, the, he's he like you said, he's a very spiritual guy. He's like, man, things don't really happen on our time, like especially if you're spiritual, they don't really happen in our time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's God's timing, and if this whole sure. year was just a lesson learned, you know, I think that's what he took from it because. When I do talk about the, I mean, he knows I'm a hardcore Laker fan. Even before when I would um, tweet about the Lakers when he was on the Rockets and stuff, he right. was like, boo you, you know what I mean? Like, boo. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think that uh, it, it was just one of those things where it's not, I mean, it, it didn't hit him so hard that he hates the Lakers. You know, I wouldn't say that. Right. Um, but I think he'll look at, at he looks back on this time um as as just a learning experience and i i know that he was very happy that he was able to be on the same team as kobe you know he's put that on his instagram and stuff and you know he's told me so that 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 experience alone i think um is is awesome for him but you know again and then at when he left you know i had to also just realize how much of a a business this game is you know what i mean because it's like man maybe the lakers do want him back you know and and then I remember him, you know, texting me, "Hey, I'm about to announce this, but I'm going to the Hornets." And that like just came out of nowhere. I'm just Oof. like, "Whoa, man, that sucks." Because I was just hoping that, you know, that all of that stuff was just kind of, I don't know, blown up by the right. media and stuff. But yo, man, at the end of the day, man, it, it's a business, and you got to do what's best for you. And uh, and at, at that time, Charlotte was the the best thing for him. So. And also, unfortunately, Charlotte only gave him, like, it was a really cheap contract, which is why at the time, too, I was like, the Lakers couldn't have offered that to him? Are you right. kidding me right now? You know, I, I saw Jeremy Lin, and I know he sees himself as much better player and can be a starter for Brooklyn, etc. But even at the time, you know, trying to lower my expectations just so I wouldn't be disappointed, I was just like, I could see Jeremy Lin as a perfectly supportive role player on a championship team right and why don't the lakers start building around that right now and start plugging in those holes so why don't they put a long-term investment on lynn because he's not going to be right. that expensive so when i saw right. the contract that charlie gave him i was like well, it was like five million two million or five million i was like you gotta be kidding me like he jeremy lynn even if you're not going to start him he's probably the best backup six man you could have right off the bench as a combo guard right so i was a little i was pretty disappointed as well and then yeah i mean that's that's when that is the day that I hated Mitch Kupchak because, <laughs> and I, 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 I really just had a good, um, just kind of, I, I like the dude or whatever, you know, he brought in Dwight Howard, he's mm-hmm. doing all these crazy deals, you know, he's been in the Lakers organization forever. So I had nothing but respect for him as a fan, I guess on the outside. Um, but I remember watching the first, um, you know, his, his interview when he got, when he got traded to the Lakers, right? Um, when he was like, hey, man, like, this is literally what Mitch Kupchak said. He's like, third time's a charm. We've been trying to get you, you know, forever, you know, right. I, I, that I remember that that press conference and just thinking he's it felt like Lynn was definitely probably going to be there for more than just one year, you know, and I remember people telling me in the beginning, they're like, oh, they just signed him so they could trade him real quick before the season starts. Then he started playing and he ended up staying. And I was like, nah, dude, there's more hope. And then that day was mm-hmm. when he uh, ended up, you know, going to Hornets and they didn't um, offer him anything. And that's when I was like, man, all this is just smoke and mirrors. And I mean, sometimes like people just say what the fans maybe want to hear. And, and I think that, you know, you brought this up before his stands and his crazy ass fans, which, you know, <laughs> are, amazing to have as as a person as a person you know and he backs them up all the way he'll defend them forever and 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 if anything you know i'm one of them you know i it's hard for me to take off my bias and be like he had a bad game when i'm like yo no he contributed this way he contributed that way you know what i mean but uh i have a feeling even during the season when you know the broadcasters would bring this up they're like hey yo people are saying i'm not giving a fair shot to lynn but you know i like lynn you know like i heard james worthy say that you know and I think that mm-hmm. that comes into play too when it comes to these people who are saying all these promising and great things about Lynn, but at the end of the day, they didn't have any long-term plans for this dude, you know, and that like hurt me. Right. And I was just like, dude, I'm a Laker fan, but like, oh my God, how can I stand behind you guys after this <laughs> crap, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I, gosh, not, I mean, 
No, no, I feel you. And and if you want to feel validated about, I mean, you never want to be happy about someone losing his job. But obviously, during this period of time where the Lakers struggled the most, you know, Mitch and Jim, unfortunately, had a lot of pressure on them. And they just made bad moves all throughout the way, right? And this is why, unfortunately, they're not part of the organization anymore. And I think if they had started very early on, even during that season, to start to build around an actual team of role players and, and guys that you could have had for very cheap, you know? Right. Long-term right. dudes, like Jeremy Lee, solid guy. They're talking about culture and character right now, the new regime. And Jeremy Lean fits that, you know? And and you see what he's doing in Brooklyn, taking D'Angelo under his arms. They're going, golf, you know, shot-putting, golf, golf yeah. range mm-hmm. shooting or whatever and all that stuff. And that's the type of stuff the Lakers need right now, like a veteran like that. Instead, we have veterans that can't play. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like in Lou Dang and Mozgov's traded now. But yeah. um, so not to go on a tangent, but but I do I do think, like you said, I I was disappointed that the Lakers were not as forward thinking as I wanted to, them to be at that point. And just because, you know, they were so focused on like, let's keep kicking the can down the road and f- pushing cap space down so we can get a star like Melo or Aldridge. Right. And then we keep striking out instead of just signing decent players yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. for cheap contracts. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I think that was that was the most disappointing. Yeah, I mean, lear- learning about that world as it's, you know, I feel like in the recent years, I mean, the fact that like contracts and all these offseason moves have been becoming a little more talked about, you know, um, yeah. especially with the like the big blockbuster trades and stuff. And since like the decision of LeBron James, I feel like since then, all these contract things have been uh just out in the media and stuff and i feel like even especially twitter oh yeah especially with twitter right um but i feel like even jeremy's contract right now is pretty low compared to some of the you know some of the players who don't produce nearly as much <laughs> totally but are getting maybe 20 30 more million you know what i mean yep um so yeah it's it's just funny to see the business of basketball up front and then you know when your team is making these these questionable moves it's is it's very hard to be, you know, happy with the front office. No, for sure. And you know, kudos to Jeremy for really showing out once again and proving people wrong with Charlotte going to the playoffs, doing really well next to Kemba Walker and then earning himself a nice contract, still not probably what is worth with with Brooklyn mm-hmm. and hopefully this season he'll be obviously a little more healthy and then him and D'Angelo can Honestly, the East is so bad. I think they can do it, dude. Yeah, so seed. I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, everybody's gone. Like Jimmy Butler left, Paul Millsap left, like LeBron's probably going to come to the Lakers yeah, next yeah. year. So, it's going to be good, man. Uh so I guess before uh we let you go if you wanted to i I wanted to see if you had any like personal your best personal anecdote story of jeremy lynn just you guys doing something random anything fun that you guys did that you think would be worthy to share (laughs) man um hmm. doesn't have to be anything special but it's just like oh we did this right 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 um one thing i i guess i would i would i would like to share is um that he's really really cool with his fans man um and he get he has a a, a ton of fans that are different ages and stuff you know like w- mm-hmm. when i'm going out um you know like at disneyland or something with i kind of know what uh the demographic age demographic and that sure. the, you know most of them are asian american you know they'll come up to me and say hi but you know jeremy has a bunch of different fans but uh that weekend that he spent with us out here in riverside we took him to different places and uh we took him to like anaheim packing district uh mm-hmm. knott's berry farm uh, we didn't make a trip to Disneyland because that's always going to be too hectic. But um, I remember just every time he was approached by a fan, he was very, very nice. And um, just like the most down-to-earth dude. Um, right. And also meet, meeting him for the very first time. Um, he was on the Warriors. Like I said, he was on the lockout was happening. And he was like, hey, man. I was like, dude. Jeremy, you're awesome, and I, you know, I wasn't like a huge, huge basketball nerd, kind of like I am now. But I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a big fan. He's like, dude, I watched your videos before coming here because he wanted <laughs> to do research on the show because we were doing a, a, I was guest performing at a talent show called Collab- Collaboration, yeah. and he was guest judging, and um, you know, he was like kind of doing his research on the people here. He's like, dude, you're really awesome, and I, you know, I gave him a CD, and I remember getting his number, and he. Text me like, yo, track number eight is my favorite, you know. Uh, so just, <laughs> dude, just things like that, man. And then he started including me in um, his uh, his emails for, uh, it's like having prayer meetings online and stuff. And he's sen- sending me yeah, these yeah. devotionals. And um, and I, I remember I was, I was taking a hiatus. Uh, this was that season, I think, when he was on Lakers. I, I wrote a letter to my fans saying, 
yo man this is getting a little hard i don't know if i'm gonna come back to youtube i don't know if i'm gonna do music anymore but i just want to take a break and during that time he was really really helping me out i would go to uh his apartment often to uh uh, to play Mafia with his friends. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that game. He loves <laughs> nice. that game. Um, but, you know, he'd always just kind of invite me over when uh, he knew I was going through a rough time. So, I mean, solid dude. I'm sure a lot of these NBA players are, are solid guys, and we just don't really think about it. But when you, you know, bring it, you're, you're able to relate yourself, especially as an Asian-American, to, like, somebody who you could be. You know what I mean? It kind exactly. of brings the NBA on this different level, man. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm proud to to be a friend. And uh, yeah, I mean that's it, really. That that's awesome, really stand up, dude. Obviously, even from the story I told you before, he was famous. Right? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, that message is like. Can you please take it down? That is like stereotypical, Jeremy. You know what I mean? Like he's just like textbook, like but also yeah, we'll say like. Hey man, like just to personalize a little bit and try to. Sorry for the inconvenience, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude, you don't worry about it. It's my bad. No, 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 totally. <laughs> Another random funny story is I remember when I was interning for ISA and we were trying to plan for our San Jose concert. You, you remember Diana, right? She yeah, was executive of director of, of ISA. Course. Yeah, D and Dan, aka Dan. Hey, yo, AJ, what's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only impression I can do, dude. Man, Dan Dan used to hate me. People are like, hey, John, do the Dan. Hey, yo, it's Dan, a.k.a. Yo, Dan, what's, what's up, guys? It's on? Dan, a.k.a. Dan. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that. But I remember we were planning for the concert and people were looking for ideas, people to host, et cetera, et cetera. And Phil would be reviewing our ideas as well. And, I, and nobody knew who Jeremy Lin was at the time, but I was like, hey... Let's get Jeremy Lin to come as a guest or whatever. Just like, you know, bring on the next performer because he's on the Warriors and it's his first year, but he's an Asian American, yeah, you know? Yeah. Nobody took my idea seriously, dude. I was like, come on. And then Lin Sanity popped off the year later. And I'm like, I told you, we should have had him. Yeah, but yeah. The rest is history. No, totally. I feel you, bro. I'm, you know, it's cool to meet people who, who have had his back for a long time, you know? So during mm-hmm. Lin Sanity, it didn't, we weren't necessarily surprised really, you know? And, and dude, during that time, man, I got to say, like, during Lin Sanity, he was still, like, you know, hitting me back up and just being the same guy. You know what I mean? And um, right. I was like, dude, let me get your Knicks jersey. He ends up sending me uh, a heart, you know, uh, he sends me a Harvard jersey, you know, the number four and stuff. And was just mm-hmm. still being, you know, the, the coolest dude. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Gosh, what a what a time to be alive. I I yeah. What a time to be alive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, we've talked about Jeremy a lot. It's like three degrees of separation of Jeremy through you. But to close this show, what are you excited about for the Lakers this season? Are you are you looking forward to maybe getting LeBron James, as the rumors have said? What about Paul George? <laughs> I mean, I I think the the fans are so thirsty again for like a competitive team, right? But I think we're we're this close. Just one more developmental year and I think we're there but I don't know where you stand yeah I uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this I mean I listen to a lot of NBA radio and uh you know there's on on Sirius XM there's so many different opinions that like get stuck in my head man but one thing that I heard heard today was that you know obviously we're waiting for next year but when Paul George said today um or maybe yesterday when he was saying um you know it's it's kind of it was overstated the the fact that he wanted to be with the Lakers, right? But he also said, you know, it's not really how it works. Like just to like sign a dude, it's like the, first there has to be this guy there, and then to prove that, and then get another guy, and you know, maybe this, maybe he was referring that this guy is should be a LeBron, <laughs> LeBron. James, right? Like a yeah. LeBron James, and and then it would take somebody like that to get this guy and and this guy, you know. Yep. And, um, I do also think we're we're just one one step away but i still think we're maybe two or three play maybe two players away i i yeah. really truly believe in brandon brandon uh ingram and yes um and and some and lonzo lonzo ball is is promising obviously you know uh but i think we're we're two two really good players away i'm sad about the nick young thing because that was an amazing <laughs> kind of fun era even though he was breaking a lot and you know people made fun of him and Things like that, but um, and I, I see all these Warrior fans on my Facebook. They're like, "What do you guys think of Nick Young on the Warriors?" You know, and they're like being all cautious and stuff. Like, I'm like, man, y'all, y'all don't even know what you got, man. Like, <laughs> dude, this he dude... fits in right there with that hyphy culture, man. He's gonna have oh, a lot sure. of fun up there, dude. No, and and he'll not have to be 
uh, you know, the hero a lot of the time that he was in the no, Lakers, yeah. you know? So he'll be able to be more efficient. And I remember watching him on the Clippers, um, you know, when he would just come in for little spurts of time and just make threes. And I was like, dude, this dude's good, man. You know, and I think he could yeah. be that for, for the Warriors. So I, I'm excited for, for Nick Young, to, for him to finally, I think, get uh, his due. And, and especially from the fans for making fun of him for dating Iggy and stuff. And <laughs> not Not to bring it back to... To Jeremy, but did you ever ask him what his thoughts were on having a teammate like Swaggy P? No, I think I think he did mention that uh, it was fun to have Nick Young as a as a teammate. He did tell me that his nicest teammate though uh, was Wes Johnson, like he was the mm, nicest dude there. Um, so he brought up that name, and I I could I was always I was so curious because Wes Johnson is just a quiet dude and would just not right, even say right. much during the thing. And I was like, how was Wes Johnson? He was like, dude, he was probably my nicest teammate. You know what I mean? So that's cool to hear. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. To, that was cool to hear that. Um, that man, what a crazy, what a crazy couple seasons it's been, man. I'm, I'm just ready for us to be at the top again, man. Yeah, and it's good to look back on where we've come from and uh, just the ups and downs, and you know, just, just have hope again and and just stay positive. I know, I know it's it's a little bit apprehensive too because we just traded D'Angelo Russell and everybody's like, well, that was a former number two pick. What exactly are we doing? But we have it's like hoping for things we have not yet seen. It's biblical, right? We're hoping right. that on the other end of this, it's LeBron James and Paul George. And if it is two of those guys, we're good. We're set. Yeah, 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 totally. I was hoping it would have been Russ, man. Ah, that would have been tough. I'm, it, hey, dude, it still might be. He's gonna, he has a player option and he's now playing with Paul George and you, you have no doubt those guys are whispering in each other's ear and like setting up plays for each other with Lonzo Ball in their head already. So, hey. I mean, it, it, it might work out perfectly. So yeah. we'll see. Um, with that said, AJ, thank you once again so much for taking time out of your night and your day to, you know, just chat with us. Basketball, Jeremy Lin, Lakers, Kobe, et cetera. It's, it's really cool to hear insight and also just really cool to have another, you know, Filipino American on the, on this random Lakers podcast that I do and just represent the community in this way. You know, it's really dope. And uh, why don't you one last time, just plug whatever you want to plug anything you have coming up outside of your, including your show, go ahead and do so. Um, Yeah. Check out my, uh, on my, on my social media. Uh, One thing that just happened is uh, I just did a collaboration with Disney. Uh, So they just put a video up of me singing uh, the Little Mermaid Party of World (laughs) song in eight different genres. And that video right now is blowing up on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com slash AJ Raphael Music. Disney just shared it. The Little Mermaid fan page. It's almost at a million views in one day. Uh, Really, really excited about that. So that has me motivated to creating more content on YouTube. So you can check that out Uh, during the next couple months. I'll be doing a lot more. And uh, you'll... You'll see me tweeting about the Lakers because everyone, I, I feel like my last 20 tweets, there's at least a couple of <laughs> tweets in there. People don't even know I'm a musician probably if they get to check those tweets out. They'll just be like, oh, he's a Laker fan. I think this dude's just a Laker fan. So <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, AJ. We'll catch you later. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more cake. Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.